0: So, my name's Drew, and I'm the lead pastor of Salt City, and just want to tell you guys, I'd really love to see you guys out on Sundays. We started Salt City Church in the Twin Cities because we're a church family that loves college students, and so we're here for you guys. Just want to be a place where you can grow in a relationship with Jesus, and that includes those of you who have doubts and are a little bit skeptical about what we're doing. We want to be a place where it's safe to struggle with your questions for Jesus. And tonight's topic might actually bring up a lot of questions for you. We're talking about Jesus being the only way to God. And the reason I think that brings up some questions is because a lot of times when we start talking about Jesus being the only way, I think people begin to think, initially about morality. So what I mean by that is, I think just the way that things are framed in our culture, we kind of think of the camp that we're in as the good people, and the camp that we're not in as the bad people. And so it can actually be troubling to us when we meet people who are supposedly on the other side, and they seem to be kind of good people. Here's what I mean. Okay, my twin daughters, Ari and Hazel, both cute as a button, are in their second year of preschool. And last year, they would go to preschool, and every Tuesday, either my wife or I would go to this parenting class. And during this parenting class, we would discuss parenting issues with a lot of different people who disagreed with us a lot about a lot of different things. But here's what I found. They were great people. In fact, I would say there were some people in the room who didn't know Jesus at all who were better parents than I am. And I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be a good dad. And I think sometimes as Christians, we think that being a Christian means that we're supposed to be more moral than other people. So here's what we do. We kind of fake it. But when we say that Jesus is the only way, we don't mean to be a Christian that you have to be more moral than other people. We actually mean the exact opposite of that. That being a Christian is about admitting that you're wrong and needing a savior. Okay? So here's what we're looking at. We're looking at John chapter 13 verse 36 through John chapter 14, verse 6. We're going to look at this claim that Jesus has of being the only way to God. So John chapter 13, verse 36. The verses will be on the screen or you can look it up on your Bible app. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what we see in this passage is Jesus is having a conversation with a couple guys who have been following for him for a long time. And when he starts talking about being the way, they have some questions for him about it. And so we're going to look at the three clarifications that Jesus has on being the only way. Here's the first thing that jesus says to peter it's a little bit surprising he says following jesus is not the way let's reread these verses john thirteen thirty six through 38 simon peter said to him lord where are you going jesus answered him where i am going you cannot follow me now but you will follow afterward peter said to him lord why can i not follow you now i will lay down my life for you jesus answered will you lay down your life for me Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Okay, so we have a really interesting conversation here between Peter and Jesus. Like I said, Peter's a good friend of Jesus. He's been following him for three years. And Jesus has been talking about that soon he's going to be leaving the disciples. If you read the greater context, it says that the disciples, all of them, including Peter, are troubled by this. They spent every day with Jesus for three years. Three years ago, he had said to Peter, come follow me. And Peter has been committed to Jesus and following him every day the last three years. And now, Jesus gets to this critical hour of his life and he says, where I'm going, you can't come. Peter's like, no, 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 I signed up to follow you. And Jesus is like, this is where the following stops. You don't get to follow me anymore. And Peter's like, no, no, no. I know you've been talking about your death, Jesus, and how you're going to die this painful death of suffering. But my plan is to follow you all the way to the point where we're dying together or where I'm dying and you're not dying. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't get it. This is where the following stops. Where I'm going, you don't get to follow me anymore. And Peter's confused. He's like, wait, 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 no. I promise you, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And Jesus throws a monkey wrench in it. He actually predicts the future and he says, before you hear the rooster crow, you'll have denied me three times. You're not going to follow me the way that you think you will. You're not going to do what you'll think you'll do. Do you know why he says that? Because following Jesus is one of the most impossible things in the world. Jesus is the only perfect person to ever live. What Jesus did was always right. And what Jesus was about to do was the hardest thing that will ever be done. What Peter didn't know Is that what Jesus was talking about doing? Was saving the whole world. He was going to save the world from their sins. You see, you can follow Jesus in ministry, you can literally follow Jesus around, you can try to emulate his moral example. But when it comes to your salvation, Jesus is saying, I have to do it alone. Okay, there's this cute thing my son Gabe, he's two and a half, does a lot of mornings. I'll tell Gabe, I got to go to work in a little bit. And even this morning, Gabe loves following my example. So this morning, I wanted peanut butter on my toast, so he wanted peanut butter on his toast. That's fine, he can follow my example on that, right? And then I wanted a blueberry yogurt, and so he wanted a blueberry yogurt. So we're both sitting there eating our blueberry yogurt together it turned out I got a vanilla yogurt he got a blueberry yogurt but it was fine he didn't know that he thought I was eating a blueberry yogurt his sister Aria almost told him that I was eating a vanilla yogurt and he was eating a blueberry yogurt and I cut her off just in time because if he would have known that he would have been upset because he wants to follow my example on that. then he saw that I was eating a banana and so he told my wife Melissa I want a banana too and so it's pretty cute he's on one end of the counter I'm on the other end of the counter and we're both eating the exact same thing. But here's what happens. I drive a van named Ronda the Honda. And I've convinced my son Gabe that Rhonda the Honda, who he calls Rondi the Honda, or Rondi the Honda, sorry, is the best van in the world, which she is. And so he wants, here's the thing, he wants to go to work with me. But I tell him, A lot of days. No, no, no. Dad goes to work. Gabe stays home. Because, see, I go to work to provide for my family. That's my job as his dad. Right? So he can follow me up until a certain point. But then at a certain point, I do the dad things and he does the kid things. And that's a good thing because there's no way that he could work to provide for the family. So I say, no, don't follow me. You stay home. I'll go to work. That's the moment Jesus is having with Peter. He's saying, see, the following thing, that's great. But the savior thing, that's my job. Here's what Jesus is implicitly saying. You cannot be saved by being a religious, moral, zealous, or even committed person. You can't be saved by your commitment to Jesus. You can't be saved by laying down your life for Jesus. The gospel message is not Jesus wants you to give up your life for him. The gospel message is that Jesus has given up his life for you. So if you think that Christianity is about going all in for Jesus, you don't know what Christianity is yet. Christianity is that Jesus went all in for you. And that's what Jesus continues to clarify in this passage. Point number two. It's not our following of Jesus that is the way. It's Jesus himself that is the way. So, another conversation Jesus is having with a guy named Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. So, Thomas has just overheard this conversation that Jesus had with Peter. And Thomas is like, Peter's the most zealous, religiously committed person that I know. If he doesn't know the way, he doesn't know where you're going, then can any of us know the way? Can any of us know where you're going? Can any of us get to heaven? Can any of us have access to God? So here's what both Thomas and Peter are misunderstanding. They think that their salvation is on them. They're asking Jesus for a list. Tell me what to do. Do I read my Bible more? Do I pray more? Do I fast more? Do I have more religious observances that I need to do? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. It's not about you not about you at all. Because here's the thing, you're all like Peter. You're all on the surface maybe, all in for Jesus and religiously committed and all that. But here's the thing, not just Peter, but all of the disciples would deny Jesus, would run away in his hour of greatest need. They weren't as committed as they thought they were. You know what? You're not as committed as you think you are either. Have you ran into this yet? You're going fine in your relationship with Jesus. Pretty soon you just hit a brick wall or you fall into a sin that you never thought you'd fall into again, you messed up. And Jesus is saying, Here's how you get out of that trap. It's not your self-sacrifice. It's not your commitment. It's me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying the way to God is actually through him. Now, what does that mean? Because we're so used to talking in this moral sort of religious sort of way, what does it mean that Jesus himself is the way. Here's what it means. It means that Jesus lived his life for you. It means that Jesus died the death that you deserve. And it means that Jesus rose from death So that you could have life through him. So it's not about your performance. It's about his performance. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. And the way that the Bible describes that is that Jesus has acted as your substitute. In other words, sort of like a sports analogy. You're playing in the game. You're a really bad player. And coach got to sub you out. And the only way the team's going to win is if a player comes in who's way better than you. I was reminded of this when I was watching the movie Hoosiers the other night. Anyone love the movie Hoosiers? Anyone even seen it? Okay, a few of you. So anyway, I grew up in Indiana, so I love the movie Hoosiers. And if you haven't watched it, shame on you, you should. But anyway, this team... From Hickory, the small town Indiana team, has got this new coach. And they've started off the season, and the coach is a hothead, and the team's losing a bunch of games, and it's in this small Indiana town, so everybody's getting really mad. And the coach is about to get fired. And there's this big town hall meeting at a church, and they're trying to fire the coach at this meeting. And they've decided, we're gonna fire the coach. And then just at this moment, when they're about to fire the coach, Jimmy Chitwood walks in. Jimmy Chitwood is an amazing basketball player. He never misses a shot. So Jimmy Chitwood comes in and he says, if you fire coach, I'm never playing basketball for this team. But if you let coach stay, then I'm gonna join the team again. Cause he's, for whatever reason, he hasn't been playing for the team. So then Jimmy Chitwood comes back and the whole music of the whole movie changes and every scene is like Jimmy Chitwood swishing a 20-foot jumper. And I'll tell you at the end of the movie, they win the state championship. It's amazing. But here's why they won the state championship. They got a substitute. They got a guy on their team who could carry the rest of the team on his shoulders. You see, the message of the Bible is that humanity needs a substitute. And so Jesus has come to bat for you. He's become your substitute in his life. Do you know what that means? It means when you read through the Gospels, you shouldn't mainly read the Gospels as an example for how you should live. You should mainly read about Jesus, and when you see him being perfect, you should be like, he did that for me. You see, Jesus never lusted, and Jesus was completely pure, and Jesus obeyed all of the Ten Commandments, not mainly as an example for you, but so that you could be clothed in his perfect obedience. So do you know, as a Christian, when God sees you, he sees Jesus, Here's a second way Jesus substituted himself for you. On the cross. Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin. You were guilty before God, and Jesus died on the cross and took the penalty of your sin away. So that because of his substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, you can be forgiven by God. And then Jesus was in the grave for three days, and he rose from death. And he was given by God a brand new life. Death couldn't hold him. And by his grace, as your substitute, Jesus gives you, as a free gift, a new nature. He puts in you the Holy Spirit so that he, by his Spirit, actually becomes your substitute in your life. So that as Christians, we don't go try really hard to live for Jesus because it's possible, we stink at it, Instead, we yield to the Holy Spirit, and we allow him to work in and through us. That's what it means that Jesus is the way. Here's the part that trips us up a little bit. We like that, the first half of the sentence. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's this positive statement. He's our substitute. It makes us feel good. Here's the part that we don't like as a culture. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the exclusivity of Jesus' claim. To the last point, it's very clear in the text, there is no other way. Let me read the sentence again. It's not me who's saying this, it's Jesus who's saying this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Except through me. Here's what happens when we start talking about the exclusivity of Christ in our culture we are seen as bigots, that is seen as incredibly unloving and unkind. When people hear a Christian say that Jesus is exclusively the only way to relationship with God, what they hear us saying is that we think that we're better than other people. Which is actually the exact opposite of of true. But here's the thing. One of the most offensive things in our culture is to have any sort of absolute truth claim. As soon as you come out with an absolute truth claim, you will get shot down by the, to- the tolerance police. But here's what's ridiculous about that. What's ridiculous about that is that everyone makes absolute truth claims all the time. Okay? The sentence, there is no such thing as absolute truth, is in itself an absolute truth. Everyone believes in absolute truth. Everyone is making Absolute truth claim. So if somebody says, Jesus is not the only way to God, you can say to them, is that true? Do you believe that? And you could make the same claim to them. Well, that's offensive to me. Are you a bigot against Christians? I don't think we should play that game, by the way. But that's just true. Right? And so what we really have is two different views of the way someone gets saved. Here's what I mean by that. We as Christians believe that Jesus is the way to God, which I just explained as our substitute. What the culture generally believes is that all paths lead to the same destination. And here's what's usually said next. Because all religions have the same basic morality. So everyone can agree On a certain morality, therefore, everyone can get to God. Here's the problem with that. Positively said, what's being claimed is that you can be saved through your works, which it turns out is actually an incredibly narrow view. Here's why only good people get saved. If that's true. If it's true that you're saved by your works, only good people get saved. We believe people are saved by grace, which means good people and bad people can get saved. So you see, it turns out the Christian view is actually less narrow than the non-Christian view. Because we believe anybody can get saved. If you're saved by grace... All right, Let, let's just, okay, forget those arguments for a second. Let's pretend our view is incredibly narrow. Because there is one sense in which we just can't get away from that. It's narrow. We believe, you have to believe in Jesus to get saved. All right, let's say that that's true. But let's also say that it's right. That it's actually true that the only way a person can get saved is through Jesus. Okay, imagine the scenario You're staying at a hotel. You're on the top floor. You're in a long hallway. And it's like a typical hotel hallway, except this hotel, it only has one hallway. And at the end of the hallway, there's an exit door. And there is a massive fire on the floor of your hotel. And you know that the only way that somebody can get out of that hotel is through the exit door. And there is somebody telling people, all the doors lead to the same path. You can go through any door and you could get out of the hotel room. You can get out. You'll be saved from the fire. Just pick any door. But what you know is that if somebody believes that and they go through any door, they're going to die in that hotel room. And so you start getting louder, right? You're like, no, no, no. Exit. Go out the exit. It's the only way out. And like, Who's this guy? Narrow-minded bigot. Are you kidding me? You're saying that's the only exit. All of these doors lead to the same destination. And they see you like you're starting to get a little bit fired up, right? You're starting to get a little This is the only exit. And you're just starting to yell. And pretty soon you're like running up and down the hallway. People are like, man, this guy's really zealous about that being the exit door. There's a sign that says exit. Everyone get out the exit door. Are you kidding me, you know? Here's the thing. If Jesus is the exit door, isn't it worth being seen as a bigot? Isn't it worth being seen as a little bit of a religious fanatic? Isn't it worth inviting your friends? Isn't it worth telling someone about? Isn't it worth letting somebody know? Isn't it worth just inviting them to come here and to hear about Jesus? If we really believe that he's the only way, it will change us forever. Here's my question for you. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? Do you believe that you can be saved by your works? Or do you believe that Jesus, because of the great love that he has for humanity, has provided a different way. Because if you believe that Jesus is the only way, you will never be the same and you'll have to tell somebody about it. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you, um, you tell us the truth, that in a culture of confusion and in a, a world where no one's saying up is up and down is down. No one will just tell us the truth about the situation. Everyone's trying to be cool and trying to be popular and trying to please other people. Jesus, thank you that you told us the truth and that because you told us the truth, it cost you your life. but that it actually wasn't anyone who took your life from you, but it was you who laid your life down for us. And because you've laid down your life for us at great cost to yourself, we want to respond with love to others. We want you to change us, God. Help us to have boldness, to forget about ourselves, and to care about the lost people in our lives and to share with them about you, Jesus.